0: Welcome back, this is William Atkinson here with John LeMay. Hello,
1: John, how you doing? Hey, William, doing great. And today, what is our subject material? We're gonna be talking about all about meteors and fireballs and asteroids of the green variety. Of the green variety, today in the pit. All right, so what
0: I've got to bring to bear is from Live Science, published, Brandon Spector. The title here is, Green Comet C2022E3, how to view the rare Stone Age visitor from deep space. A comet will make a close approach to Earth on February 1st before sailing off into deep space for millions of years. And this is kind of coincidentally interesting because a couple of months ago, or weeks ago, excuse me, back in November, I came across a CBS News article, headline, Harvard scientist says interstellar object may be a probe sent by alien civilization mm. quote uh, out of the article a pair of harvard scientists say a massive fast moving visitor to our solar system may have been sent by an alien civilization so those two in particular are quite interesting to me i see you have a stack of papers over there john
1: i do i can't wait to dig into this one i think we could actually probably do several episodes just on this uh, green meteor that's coming and then uh the ones from the past so like we usually do, we'll give you a brief little history lesson, some some things you maybe didn't know about. So back in the late 1940s, New Mexico was the location of a huge flap of green fireball sightings. When was this? Uh, the late 1940s. You know,
0: interesting, my father mentioned that he saw a green fireball when he was ranching as a kid in the 50s up on the bluffs east of town.
1: Yeah, not surprising at all. And so the the peak window for this was about 1948 to 1950, but the sightings continued on for the next decade. For instance, the article I'm about to read from comes from 1962, and it features an individual, Dr. Lincoln LaPaz, very cool name. He was the head of the New Mexico University Meteoritics Institute. And uh, so the article I have here in front of me comes from 1962, which was, you know, about a over a decade after the big uh, flap of sightings between 1948 to 1950. So these these things just happened sporadically through the 50s and the 60s. But this article, the headline is Fragments from Huge Meteorite Shower Sot. So basically, uh, La Paz was looking for the fragments of this uh, meteor that uh, witnesses said exploded and showered blue and orange-red fragments all over uh, northern New Mexico. Uh, they said it was specifically around the mountain country northwest of Los Alamos. And uh, several people, when they were out driving at night, they saw it. A woman is quoted as saying, everything went, everything went blue and green in the car when she saw it explode. And so again, you know, uh, these meteors were a big deal for La Paz. And uh, we have also have another article here that I thought was interesting and might provide some interesting fodder for our story. Date on this one is cut off. So I get these from a literal yellow manila file folder in the historical archives. And sometimes they're just clippings and nobody put the date on them. So I don't know the date on this one, but the, the headline is Meteorite Was a Descending Spirit. And, uh, you know, this is written in the vernacular of the Times. It says, quote, Indian superstition is hampering search for a large meteor believed to have fallen in the northwest corner of New Mexico, said Dr. Lincoln La Paz. And uh, just to kind of summarize it, La Paz uh, was talking to some Native Americans that live in the Four Corners area and uh, they saw a meteor descend to earth they basically thought that it might have been something spiritual so i guess they weren't very helpful i think they wanted to keep its location a secret or something that's kind of interesting we might play with that might not
0: so then what we've got is a showering of strange colored meteorite objects coming over new mexico in the early stages of the space race Mm -hmm. yeah you know with the uh, rocketry and everything else uh, that was going on with Robert Goddard here. And clearly, it's tying it to the Meteoritics Institute. Dr. Plaz, you said?
1: La-pa- yeah, L-A-P-A-Z, La Paz. And then, of course,
0: with the Native Americans, we have a spiritual mm-hmm. aspect to this yeah. that could be brought to bear. And La
1: Paz is, is interesting. I, If I had more time, I honestly want to write La Paz's biography, but I just don't have time. Very interesting individual, but he had a theory that these green fireballs were actually spacecraft because sometimes they didn't behave like fireballs. They would change course, they would go up instead of going down. If I'm not mistaken, too, I don't think meteors are supposed to make noise. Like if you read about that, I typically they, they're not supposed to make noise. And some of these, you know, actually did have these hissing noises and things like that, which made them kind of unusual.
0: Now it's interesting that you mentioned that. Dr. LaPaz here had thought these to be spaceships because the CBS article for the Harvard scientists are theorizing these were alien probes Mm -hmm. from an alien civilization, right? So Avi Loeb, chair of the Harvard University Astronomy Department, says, quote, it looks very different from objects that we have found in the solar system, end quote. So it's just curious that you've got a modern scientist... And then an individual back in the 40s, 50s era with meteorology, well, 1960s.
1: Yeah, basically a stretch of time from, let's see, the late 1940s into the late 1960s, probably.
0: Okay. Yeah, this is coming right out of World War II. You've got the Roswell crash of 47. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And La Paz did investigate that as well. Oh, okay. So that's ve- why he's so interesting. A very interesting yeah. character. Give us a little more information on him. That's all that I really remember that was pertinent. But again, he worked at the University of New Mexico studying meteorites for sounds like at least two decades. Okay. Let's uh, start then with a setting. Well, I think our, yeah. So our challenge is to link the old green fireballs to the new, what is it? A comet?
0: Yeah. So we've got the green comet coming into the solar system this year and won't be back around for millions of years. The last time the Earth Mm -hmm. has seen it was during the Stone Age. So we've got a green comet, we have the green fireballs from the 40s, 50s, and we have, from both what you brought and I brought, scientists who think there's alien civilizations Mm -hmm. tied to these in some way. Now I'm gonna clarify on my end, the Harvard scientists uh, were talking about meteorites that had already been here, not talking about the green comet. So we've got the setting, and the setting's going to be 1940s, and we've got a scientist who's studying
1: these uh, mysterious fireballs. Yeah, the green fireballs. And then from there, what do we go? So, well, I think we always need to establish our conflict or our threat. So we have different options for what the threat could be. One is the green comet is actually going to hit us, and only this meteor expert from the 1940s knows how to change its course somehow. Or it is an alien craft with some devious agenda. And then I have a more, a more spiritual angle to it we could pursue. So it's a green comet. And then we go back to the article about the Native Americans thinking it was a spirit. Well, in cult Illuminati folklore, whatever you want to call it, they believe in the green man. Ooh, Have you heard of the green man? man? I have
0: not heard of the green man. This will be new for me.
1: Yeah, so my, oh gosh, my my memory isn't great on it, but it basically goes back to kind of like Pan and paganism and it's like a nature god. Okay. So he's like the green man that represents nature, I believe. And so like that could also be the threat or the bad guy is the secret society believes that this green comet is heralding the return of the green man or something.
0: Ooh, the heralding of the green man. That sounds like the book title right
1: there. And it's totally unexpected because you think it's going to be about this comet. But then if it's, you know, about the green man and just uh, to back up what I said earlier, Wikipedia's definition of the green man is a legendary being primarily interpreted as a symbol of rebirth. Representing the cycle of new growth that occurs every spring and we're close to spring right now
0: hitting on that the comment of Interest here not just spring, but we are in the the seasons of new year, right? You've got mm-hmm. the Gregorian calendar January 1 There's the Chinese New Year. Then we've got also the first of Nissan coming up for the uh, Hebrew calendar
1: Yeah, and then I'm looking through different interpretations of the green man uh, the Egyptian god Osiris was painted green a lot of times they have made a jack in the green in London. So a lot of a lot of green men that just represent like a pagan rebirth.
0: Not to mention all the little green men downtown Roswell. Yeah. So we've got the possibility then that the comet is going to hit us or it's coming back from a spiritual nature or something of an alien being who has historically been perceived mm-hmm. as a god. So kind of that Stargate feel with... Oh, uh, the Gua'uld, I think is what they were called. Yeah. And then we have the protagonist of the story being this meteorologist of the era that gets Mm cryo-frozen. Let's go down the the route just for a moment that it's a comet that's going to strike Earth. Mm -hmm. Now, we could keep the spiritual bent or not, but the comet is on this collision course. Mm -hmm. This meteorologist or astronomist figures Mm -hmm. this out. He sees it because the, the comet has broken. And uh, if you'll remember Deep Impact or some of those mm-hmm. other movies, right, you know, with the classic asteroid story during that process, as it come past the moon or something, they break up or, and then mm-hmm. you get all these fragments yeah. and stuff. So that's what could have been happening is a fragment shower.
1: Ah, back in back in the nineteen forties and fifties, that's yes. what you're saying.
0: And then the meteorologist gets a smart, tracks things, and discovers this comet mm-hmm. that he calculates is gonna strike Earth. Yeah. He's the only one who has a plan,
1: and nobody believes him. So I'm not I'm no scientist, but you know, lots of movies are dumb anyway. So the way my mind works, and maybe this is dumb, he needs pieces of the on oncoming green comet to destroy the green comet only pe- fragments can somehow make the explosive to destroy it and so that's why he's always searching for fragments and then we also have another article from 1955 about these guys who study meteorites quote-unquote drooling over tales of the lost king meteorite which came down in africa Ooh, and nice. they, they called it the Iron of God, which is a really cool name.
0: Ooh, Jumping off of that, I'm thinking maybe not a movie or a book, but a comic book. Mm-hmm. Okay, so going over into that realm where the unbelievable becomes not necessarily believable, but acceptable. Mm-hmm. And I like your idea with the, um, the having the shards to be able to take the comet yeah. out. My thought is maybe the comet is not going to strike Earth. It's going to near-miss Earth. Mm -hmm. But every time it near-misses Earth, we have a mass extinction event. Yeah. And this is why the dinosaurs went extinct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then why the last ice age occurred or stopped or whatever, Mm -hmm. right? And so he's figured out this cyclical pattern. And he's recognizing the outright catastrophe that this poses to all of humanity Mm -hmm. and the fact that we're not in a position to up and leave the planet. Yeah. So... He runs down to the local radio shack, if you'll remember this particular um, store before it went out of business a few years back. And uh, some, some electronic store, he runs down there and he builds himself a cryo-freeze.
1: Hmm, yeah.
0: It is just a dumb comic book or movie, so he could do that. All right, so he does that. And he freezes himself. In the mid-1960s, 1970s or so. Mm-hmm. And this is
1: kind of the, the real tension point with the Cuban yeah. Missile Crisis and the Soviet Union. Or we make it more tragic and the government freezes him and he has to be pried away from his family and fake his death and all that. That's another possibility. Ooh. Let's go back to
0: the Soviet Union Cold War okay. thing. The KGB abducts him and takes him to the Soviet Union. Mm.
1: I like it. And he's got a little daughter or a son... Who will be fully grown by the time he gets thought out that he reconnects with. Kind of like in that Chris Pratt Tomorrow War movie. Oh, yes. Do that? The Tomorrow War.
0: Justina Luther, who we had on the show last week, and I were talking about that very uh, movie Mm -hmm. when we had our initial screening call with her. To test tech and everything, we were talking a little bit about some story concepts, and one of them
1: was a war across timelines. Yeah, and that's the Tomorrow War. Yeah, and you got to have that emotional core to the story. Yeah, otherwise people don't connect with it, even though it's not necessarily important to what makes it unique. Because you know the comet is what makes it unique, but that that emotional tie is what grounds it. So going from A
0: mass extinction event being threatened upon the planet and the protagonist being abducted by the Mm -hmm. foreign powers of the time and ripped away from his family gets cryo frozen. The middle of the story,
1: he's woke up now. Mm -hmm. It is crisis time. Yeah. What does he do? I don't know about him, but I figured out the villain. I figured out how to marry the two things we liked because we left the green man behind. But now I know how to marry the green man into this. Okay. The villain, maybe he is the green man, maybe he isn't. But he he's probably just a rich billionaire who thinks he's the green man, or he should be the green man. And in his mind, he has devised a way to make this comet go from a near miss to colliding with Earth so he can restart Earth in his own green man image. So that's now our our bad guy. He's going to draw the comet to Earth, whereas it used to would have passed. And our hero knows how to divert the meteorite and thwart his plan if he gets enough, if he collects enough original fragments. And then you've got maybe a heist movie where he has to team with someone who's more adventurous and they steal meteorite fragments from museums and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, let's really bathe this in
0: comic book okay. tropes. The meteorologist and Mr. Greenman, okay, are both deeply versed in the molecular sciences mm-hmm. and specifically as it relates to gravitons, gravimojis, mm. magnets, and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And so the machine that Greenman wants to build is one that will magnetize and attract the comet yeah. to Earth. Whereas our hero basically has to go in and do the classic switch the wires, reverse Mm -hmm. the polarity, and it pushes the comet away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this sets up that action sequence at the very end where you're struggling over the device. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you switch the the red and blue wire and then Mm -hmm. they switch it back and then you switch it back. that's perfect. And you've got this countdown timer in the background Mm -hmm. where it's like T minus five minutes and counting or whatever. So... A little bit more on Green Man. He wants to reshape the the earth into what he thinks. Classic dictator-type yeah. trope. What was the tipping point for that character arc that brought
1: him to this? Hmm. Just the typical, He he's probably greedy, sold his soul to the devil. You know, that sort of thing. Wants to just wipe out all of humankind. Now, if our protagonist was frozen in the 60s, and
0: this rich billionaire uh Mr. Greenman guy we we keep picking on billionaires yeah that's just because it's fun and they have the resources to do this so it makes it easy to believe the the thought that i have is you mentioned selling your soul to the devil mm-hmm. okay there's the classic story of the blues artist that wasn't very good mm-hmm. with the guitar yeah so we have the classic legend of this blues artist and who sells his soul to the devil mm-hmm. in order to get really good yeah. at being popular, basically. There's more to the story, but for the purposes of what we're doing here, we might be able to actually do that. The real green man could be some form of an extraterrestrial intelligence mm-hmm. that communicates telepathically yeah. and needs a host. Yeah, He finds a way to get to this teen during the 60s mm-hmm. who's living in the the time period of all of these rock and mm-hmm. roll legends yeah okay and the the two different ways we could go about this is our protagonist is being cryogenically frozen at the same time as this teen wanting to be this music legend mm-hmm. or you know some very popular yeah. type person gets, in contact with this extraterrestrial who manipulates him or we could reset the time period where they both need to cryogenically mm-hmm. freeze themselves yeah. and i don't know which would be better for this story
1: i bet if we dug around we would find like some article from like the 1960s where somebody opens a mysterious tomb and i would say that they opened the mysterious tomb of the green man and his green blood spurted on the archaeologists and Possessed them. Let's go back to John Spear. Okay, there, yeah.
0: With the electricizers, mm-hmm. the association of the electricizers. Yeah. Yeah. And we could tie this back to that statue, which was stolen mm-hmm. in 1970 yeah. from the Mariah Cemetery where John Spears was buried. And then for our listeners, you'll remember John Spear in a previous episode where he
1: built this mechanical god. Yeah. Another real story. This sounds, again, like stuff we're making up. But yeah, John Spears, John Murray Spears, real spiritualist, thinks he made a god machine for the Messiah to inhabit 1850s. He dies, and then he's buried in the cemetery, and had the statue associated with him or in the cemetery. It was in the cemetery.
0: The statue was named the Silent Century. It was built and put there to honor fallen Union soldiers of the Civil mm-hmm. War. And where I tied that to John Murray Spears is one, both were located at the Mariah Cemetery, and two, Spear was a avid abolitionist. Mm-hmm. And wanted to get rid of capital punishment and other things of that nature. He was a philanthropist for what he viewed as victims of the justice system. Mm -hmm. So with that said, you could tie all of that. And you mentioned that there's this tomb that gets opened up, right? And that could be the tomb of the green man or something associated with the green man. So there you go. We've got this spiritualist. We have this extraterrestrial energy Mm -hmm. that needs to communicate telepathically. Spears builds this machine which does just this and it's buried underneath this statue. Mm. And in 1970, the statue stolen, that thing could be up and out. Now, again, this part's fiction. The statue was indeed stolen.
1: He just didn't bury his God machine under the statue. We made that. I mean, that was our invention. Yeah, Yeah. Previous episode.
0: So just for all of that clarification. So there we go. We, we've got the threat, the start of the story, the opening sequence, right? And that's threat to Earth, comet, green fireballs, mm-hmm. these shards, fragments. We have our protagonist this meteorologist or astronomer who tracks all of this down. We've got the middle part, which is the cryogenically mm-hmm. freezing and then something to do with the green man yeah. inhabiting our villain. Yeah. And then we have the crescendo of the attractingness of the comet versus the repellingness of the comet based upon some means of electromagnetism mm-hmm. yeah. in this device that's built
1: yeah and I mean, if we really I don't think we have to tie in John Murray Spears, but if we wanted to, his maybe his God machine has some ability to repel the comet if you I don't know add the the meteor fragments to it or something.
0: well, as I mentioned in the previous episode when we talked about this, it looks kind of like a rotary speaker mm-hmm, or yeah. something or one of those like clocks you used to see in your grandma's house that's got the three gold balls and yeah. they spin, right? so classic sci-fi
1: reverse the polarity
0: or just turn the backward switch
1: on Mm -hmm. right or the comet really is a green living celestial being that can move itself and the the machine communicates with it makes it kind of like star trek 4 with the whales i don't Mm -hmm. know to that going off in a completely etch a sketch this thing away and start (laughs) over
0: i was actually thinking the origin story for slimer from ghostbusters (laughs) All right, folks. Hope you've enjoyed this ride. It's been a lot of fun. And I think we're going to stick with green mysterious objects and celestial bodies in the next episode. Possibly. We might. We might not. We could extra sketch it all the way. Yeah. This is William Atkinson and... John LeMay. You've been listening to Plot Pit. If you're interested in being on the show or want to submit articles for us to read, possibly shape the story of an episode coming up, or just want to submit something that we've inspired you to write and come on the show to discuss how you got there, send an email to submissions at plotpit.com. You can listen to this podcast on any one of your major podcasting services including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Radio, Google, you know the list, and our Twitter account, at Plot Pit, same as YouTube. If you're interested in being on the show again, reach out. We'd love to hear from you. This has been William Atkinson on Plot Pit with John LeMay, and we'll catch you around.